Truth News Network. It is your circus. They are your monkeys. How are you going to manage the rings? A little help, a little vision, a little wisdom that comes from truth. TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. Never have thought about describing the chaos and the players in the chaos that we look at every day as monkeys. But whoever they are, whatever they are, they definitely belong to you and I. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live, where we are the guardians of the monkeys. (laughs) Not the old singing group from the 60s, but the new circus monkeys that live in D.C. and call themselves our political on force, whatever you want to call it. Hey, we've got a big show for you today. We're going to dig in and we've got some really neat things to talk to you about. Sit tight. Like a bluebird with his heart removed, lonely as a tree. I've run just as far as I can run. If I never see. How long, how long 
wrote that song. That was him singing lead for the Eagles. What a great musician. What a great band. You know, I can't remember another group out there that had or has a similar sound as did the Eagles. And a lot of people, most people in the United States, it resonated with because it was like blue-collar stuff that we could all identify with. Well, speaking of being able to identify with, I can tell you this. The ruling class in our nation, the bureaucrats, those that we elected that are really bureaucrats, but they took the oath of office to service. We elected them, after all. Those people are standing in a world all by themselves. Most of them don't give a rip about you or I. Well, they do because we have to work hard, pay taxes, so they can have all these billions, tens and hundreds of billions of dollars that we send to them because we have to. Those are called income taxes. And they are chosen by voters around the nation to represent us in the way that they spend the money that we send them. Do you realize that that's pretty much what government is all about now? It's not about making sure laws are passed that are the good things for the best things for the American people. That's just one little cog in the wheel. That's not why they do what they do. It's so that they can consume themselves with all the power that they can muster in Washington, D.C. to be able to spend money on whatever they feel they need and want to. And yeah, they tell us, oh, we're doing this for you. We're investing. Well, listen, I don't need a politician for me to send the money to to invest on my behalf. I think I know as much at least as most of those 535 members of the House and the Senate about investing for me. So quit calling when you spend tax dollars. Quit calling it investing. Call it what it is, spending. And spending money, not your money, our money, on what you want to spend it on. Period. And leave it right there. Tell us the truth. Just act like you work for us. Or... Stop talking like and telling us that you work for us. We're not stupid. We can see. We can read the tea leaves. We know what's going on out there. And we know as long as we continue to let you build and pile on top of all of the stuff that was put together, mostly by corrupt acts that were committed by those of you who decided to forget about your oath of office and just go accumulate power, wealth, and opportunity for yourselves. Now, I'm not down on the structure of this government. I'm not at all. I believe dearly in it. I believe without question it is by far the best on the planet. As as a matter of fact, the best that's ever been on this planet. When it's working, when it's structured and its structure is adhered to, by all of those who have the ability and the permission to work within its boundaries. Stop pushing the walls outward, expanding the walls of government. You don't need to do that. You cannot do that. Why? Because that belongs to us, we the people, not to those that are elected to go serve, we the people. 
And much of what we're going to talk about today is centered around that very fact. The fact that our government in large part has stopped working for us, stopped representing us, and have just switched into self-gratification, self-indoctrination, self-determination of everything that's best for you, not you the people, but you the representatives of the people in our government, instead of doing those things that are best for we the people. Now, that really doesn't make sense if you think about it. If they would just do what's best for the people, we the people, they're one of we the people. They're not some anointed class that are endowed by power and permission from on high to do the things that they're doing up there. That's not the way it works, but many in that class, they feel that's exactly what's going on and the way it should be done. Speak up. Have a conversation with those that represent you in the House of Representatives and in the U.S. Senate. you got two in your state that represent you, supposedly, and uh, others in your state in the U.S. Senate. And then you've got, where you live in the United States anywhere, you have a representative that is supposed to represent you and your fellow members in that congressional district. Mine is the 4th Congressional District in Northwest Louisiana. And Mike Johnson is my representative in the United States House of Representatives. I talk to him all the time. I don't always talk to him on the phone or face-to-face. I do sometimes. But I always fire off a text or an email when there's anything out there that I think might not be just okay. It might not even be good. And I want to find out the facts. He or someone in his office always responds, Honestly, if you have a representative that is an honest person, they want to hear from those who they represent. And you'll find out really quickly if you fire off a text or an email to your representative and you get a response of some some kind that's not just the catalog, thank you for checking in with us. We're glad to represent you, yada, yada, yada. But you get one that says, hey, look, Dan, I appreciate you reaching out. I'd like to talk to you about that sometime this coming week. Is there a time where we can get together on the phone? If they do something like that, you know they really want to represent you. And those are the people that we need to send to Washington, not the ones that promise the moon and then get up there and do nothing but enrich themselves. Now, we're not doing a show today to bash members of Congress, but what we are doing is finding some facts and some things to talk about from a factual perspective. This biggest, latest conundrum that's consuming the nation, it's a tale of two, not one, but two indictments. In one, the most common iteration, Hunter Biden pled guilty to charges that were largely appropriate to the crimes he committed. In the other, less common, but ultimately more accurate, telling Hunter was wildly undercharged for crimes nobody wants to talk about. Now, we're going to talk about them. 
It's not hard to guess which version the corporate media ran with, like CNN and MSNBC and the broadcast networks, CBS, ABC, NBC News, to justify the narrative that Hunter was, he was charged appropriately. You know, oh yeah, he got hammered. To try to prove that to you and me, the media zeroed in on the crimes the Justice Department actually pursued while conveniently avoiding the alleged crimes an IRS whistleblower says prosecutors ignored and still are ignoring. The mainstream media, they trotted out an army of so-called experts. I'm sick of hearing about government experts. They were trying to assure me and you, the public, that Hunter did not, in fact, receive a sweetheart deal. In fact, according to their experts, there's that E word, he may have even been overcharged. (laughs) I'm not joking. CNN ran with the classic experts cast doubt headline. While the Wall Street Journal went with the slightly more neutral prosecutors weigh in. Both, however, came to largely the same conclusion. Let's talk about the gun charge. Hunter's federal gun charge, what was it about? It was for the possession of a gun as a drug addict and not for lying on the firearm form to buy it. Both outlets spoke with experts who agreed it was rare for this charge to be brought on its own. It is typically brought in conjunction with drug or assault charges when prosecutors have other concerns about the defendant. One of those experts told CNN that it's rare to even see someone prosecuted at all under the law that Hunter Biden was prosecuted for. I didn't know he'd been prosecuted for it. Did you? I thought that was all pending. Oh no, they had a plea deal. It's 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 gone. The journal revealed over a hundred federal cases involving the exact same charge and found that in the rare instances it's filed alone, it is typically because prosecutors overcompensate for threats of violence or for previous criminal history. Hunter is this rare case. He had no criminal history of violence, but he wasn't charged with any other crime related to the possession. So while the gun charge seems pretty appropriate, it's just the tip of the iceberg. The real scandal is bundled up in the tax charge. Let's talk about that. Hunter pled guilty to misdemeanor charges for failure to pay taxes in 2017 and 2018. The Wall Street Journal found several challenges that cut in favor of negotiating a plea deal. Yeah, right. (laughs) Felony charges would have required showing that Hunter took deliberate steps to evade taxes or fraudulently lower his tax bill. And this would be hard to prove given his drug-induced confusion after his brother died back in 2015, Bo Biden. Misdemeanor charges are common for mere Failure to pay. Now, don't get mad yet. One expert told CNN, quote, Uncle Sam has suffered no harm and justice was done. 
How was justice done according to this expert on CNN? It's done because Hunter paid what he owed by 2021. Another went further, claiming that if Hunter Biden's name was John or Jane Doe, no criminal tax prosecution would ever have been contemplated. Listen, he didn't pay $2.2 million of taxes. Now tell me, (laughs) tell me some regular old American out there that just happened to stumble on $2.2 million of income taxes that came from $8.7 million of income and that regular old American out there that didn't pay the $2.2 million would just have been slapped on the back and said, shame on you. You and I both know that's horse hockey. This would all be fairly appropriate if it was the full story. But the media narrative leaves out, perhaps purposefully, all of the other crimes the IRS whistleblowers say occurred. According to whistleblower testimony in the House Ways and Means Committee earlier this month, an undamed whistleblower from the IRS in charge of the investigation said that Hunter had a litany of tax problems between 2014 and 2019. This testimony pokes gaping holes in the narrative the media have spun. Hunter failed to pay taxes on his now infamous arrangement with Burisma, the corrupt Ukrainian energy company. He's making 83 grand a month. 83 grand a month. That interprets into a million dollars a year. According to the whistleblower, Burisma paid him over $650,000 just in 2014, which he quickly moved to a Chinese company run by one of his buddies. The company then, quote, unquote, loaned Hunter the money back, and so he never had to pay taxes. The problem, as the whistleblower points out, is that you can't loan yourself your own income. Yet, the whistleblower noted, None of this has been paid or prosecuted. None of this has been paid or prosecuted. Adding that the statute of limitations has now run out for tax year 2014. Filings from 2018 also show Hunter filed numerous absurd deductions. IRS agents interviewed multiple people and they confirmed that Hunter's golf membership was actually a sex club membership or that his West Coast assistant was a hooker, a prostitute. Yeah, I got to pay that that person. Works hard for me (laughs) in my business. The whistleblower said Hunter had personal involvement to the extent he would go through bank statements and would highlight items he was excluding from being deducted. His accountants were so uncomfortable with the situation, they actually made him sign a representation letter personally attesting that all the deductions were legitimate. (laughs) The tax people, they knew, oh my gosh, this one's going to go bad and we want to be separated from the liability for this tax return. By 2020, Hunter owed a whopping $2.2 million in back taxes. 
According to the whistleblower, a wealthy benefactor named Ed Morris, who Hunter met at a political fundraiser, actually paid his bill. Now, wait a minute. I'm not a tax expert, but let me ask you this. The $2.2 million that Ed Morris paid to the IRS, wouldn't that be considered income for Hunter Biden? After all, Mr. Morris just paid the bill, but the bill was in Hunter's name. When the bill goes away, it went away because somebody gave Hunter $2.2 million. Now, I wonder, I wonder, did Hunter pay tax on that $2.2 million that Ed Morris gave to him to pay. Hunter's 2020 returns came with a note which explained that, quote, the taxpayer received financial support from a personal friend totaling approximately $1.4 million. Harris then paid off the remaining balance in the following months. However, just because he technically repaid what he owed doesn't mean that he didn't commit a crime in the process. Now that's according to to the law. This all destroys the media narrative in three different ways. Let me give them to you quickly. First, it shows an active attempt to evade paying taxes beyond a mere failure to do so. Number two, his arrangement with Burisma and the Chinese company occurred before his crack use escalated. So the addiction defense is neutralized as well. And number three, While it's not illegal to get assistance in paying off taxes, it certainly undermines the media implication that Hunter was an upstanding citizen rectifying his own mistakes. Rather, he was bailed out due to the privilege attached to being Joe Biden's boy. And by the way, none of this was part of the recent plea deal. None of it but the DOJ still decided to resolve everything with those two misdemeanor charges, just two charges. While Hunter likely was appropriately charged in these two instances, based on whistleblower testimony, he should have been charged with more serious offenses in the first place. Instead, he got the ultimate sweetheart deal, and the corporate press is working overtime to sweep it all under the rug. So here's what I thought we would do. I just gave you the little skinny there. Why don't we go to an IRS tax litigation expert along with Fox News's Jesse Waters? Eileen J. O'Connor is a lawyer who headed the DOJ's tax division, and she joins us now. So Eileen, Do you suspect that this judge might just say, no way, Jose, on this plea deal? Well, it could happen. Uh, It doesn't happen often at all. Uh, The reason I wrote my op-ed, because I wanted the public to understand what had happened in this case. Uh, Informed citizens are essential to the operations of this government. And from my decades as a tax practitioner and my six years as head of the tax division, Uh, I read Special Agent Shapley's testimony with deep, deep interest. When I got to page 95, my jaw dropped. That's where the testimony specifies that as early as June 2021, the prosecution team understood that because 
crimes must be prosecuted in the district where they occur. Attorney General Garland's failure to make U.S. Attorney Weiss a special counsel guaranteed that Hunter Biden would not be prosecuted for his tax crimes. Because every U.S. attorney is in charge of the law enforcement in his district. Since 2014 and 2015 had to be charged in the District of Columbia, and the later years had to be charged in Los Angeles, and Attorney General, excuse me, U.S. Attorney Weiss is in Delaware, it was clear that without special counsel authority, attorney, U.S. Attorney Weiss was not going to be able to charge Hunter Biden's tax crimes. So you're basically saying that two U.S. attorneys, one in D.C. and one in California, said, no, you're not going to do any indictments in my jurisdiction. And he wasn't allowed to get, according to eyewitnesses, special counsel powers. So he was blocked and he was left with a few weak charges in Delaware. And it, it, but that's not what the attorney general said. Do you see a cover up here? Exactly. I, I wouldn't call it a cover-up necessarily. As a matter of fact, I, I'd like to—I I, want to th throw a bouquet to Special Agent Shapley for bringing this forward. Th this is so important that malfeasance in the administration of justice be brought forward and that Congress be able to perform its oversight function and do something about it. Um, what's so disturbing here is that, well, let, let me mention, I also want to thank The Wall Street Journal for publishing my, my op-ed, but my— and giving it such a catchy title, my title had actually been Corruption, Collusion, or Mere Incompetence, because any of those uh, might actually describe what caused what happened here to happen here. Attorney General Garland testified under oath to Congress in March that he had given U.S. Attorney Weiss all the authority he needed to do whatever he needed to do, wherever he needed to do it. But you might recall that when Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein named Robert Mueller special counsel, we were able to see the contemporaneous documentation of that authority and of what that enabled special counsel uh, Robert Mueller to do. There has been no documentation at all of Attorney General Garland's assertion that he gave Weiss authority. And we can see from what happened that apparently he didn't have it. Uh, either he didn't have it or he didn't understand that he had it, because what has happened here is a failure to bring charges that people who have been reading the news closely at all for the last several years understand is a serious miscarriage of justice. It sure is. And if you lie under oath to Congress, there's consequences for that. Eileen, thank you very much. And everybody go to The Wall Street Journal right now and read her op-ed if you haven't already. We appreciate it. So that is just one cog in the wheel, but that makes it very clear. That's an expert, somebody that headed the IRS tax division of the Department of Justice. Think about that. That's somebody who knows what's going on and felt so enraged by it that she wrote an editorial that the Wall Street Journal, you just heard it, they published it. The corruption in this whole thing is getting monumental in this whole thing. The New York Times, now think about that. I'm quoting here what the New York Times wrote yesterday. The New York Times never writes anything that has any negative play whatsoever about any Democrat, especially one that sits in the White House or anybody affiliated with him. 
The New York Times confirmed yesterday the accuracy of the IRS whistleblower testimony claiming U.S. Attorney David Weiss was blocked from bringing charges against Hunter Biden in California. Was blocked. Now, you heard here yesterday the testimony of Attorney General Merrick Garland that countered that and said he told and made it official that U.S. Attorney David Weiss, whatever he was chasing, in whatever district he found it, where the actual alleged criminality occurred, he had, Weiss had unfettered power and authority by the Attorney General to take actions in charging that person, whoever it is, in any district where it needed to happen. In the 21st paragraph of the New York Times story about the testimony from those two IRS whistleblowers, the Times independently confirmed that Weiss's request for California prosecutors to pursue charges against Biden was rejected. IRS whistleblower Gary Shapley's testimony released yesterday by the House Ways and Means Committee accused DOG prosecutors of slow-walking the investigations into Biden. Shapley said Weiss attempted to bring tax charges against Hunter in California for 2016 to 19, which required support from the Central District of California. Around this time, there began to be discussions of the fact that the remaining tax years, 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019, four freaking years, tax problems. He skated on now. But anyway, Shapley said anything, charges, discussions about this needed to be brought in the Central District of California. Prosecutors stated they presented this case to the Central District in mid-September. That happened to correspond with the confirmation of the President Biden appointee to the United States Attorney, Martin Estrada. Weiss said in October of 22, he would have had to request special counsel authority to investigate Biden if charges were not brought in California. Weiss's initial request for special counsel authority was denied by who? The Attorney General in the Department of Justice. In January of this year, 2023, he said, I learned U.S. State's Attorney Estrada had declined to bring the charges in the Central District of California. For all intents and purposes, the case that meant was dead, with the exception of one gun charge that could be brought in Delaware. Shapley's testimony confirmed the FBI knew Hunter's laptop was real back in 2019 and showed that Attorney General Garland appeared to lie under oath about the Hunter Biden investigation. And the probe is still going on for all things Biden. Weiss said shortly after Biden was charged on June 20th, the first son was charged with felony gun possession, two misdemeanors for failing to pay taxes. He pled guilty to the charges and will not face time. Now, there's a little caveat in the will not face jail time. When the plea deal was announced publicly, there was a little sentence at the end of it that is very important now. And it says, 
the charges and the plea deal have to be approved by a judge, a federal judge, who is convening that trial operation to meet with all involved in July, late July. That judge, whoever it is, and I'm not sure, that judge has the power to blow up the plea deal. And let me just say this. I don't know who the judge is. If there's form shopping going on, which there always is, when somebody has a case, they and they, and they can file it in any one of a number of federal venues, they'll go find the court that is, they believe, most amenable to their problems and what they're in court for in hopes that they'll get a pat on the back instead of some serious um, outcome from that judge or that court if it's if it's a, a jury trial. We're watching it. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. There's so much noise. There's so much uproar across the nation about this. I would be shocked if it goes through as is. And here's why. And I probably should have done this story last in the show today because this is one of those tying the bows on a big deal, a party, you know, big present. You give the last one at the end, the biggest one at the end. This may fall into that category. I think Joe is going to throw Hunter under the bus to save his skin. I think Joe is realizing now every day, even in his cognitive declining state, I think he understands he's himself in deep trouble and he's got to throw some sacrificial lamb out there to try to keep from getting nailed to the wall. For some reason, Joe really wants to be president for four more years. And I think he wants to so desperately. And the reason I feel like he feels that strongly about it is because he begged Barack Obama to back him in his bid for the presidency. And Obama waited until the very last minute to come out and even say anything positive about Joe Biden, his former vice president, for eight years. Joe's desperate. And I think because of that desperation... We're going to see a scenario in which his own son, his only living son, Bo died of brain cancer, the older brother, Hunter's older brother. So it's just Hunter. So you would think that any father would be willing to fall on his sword if he knew it was going to save his son. I think Joe is going to give Hunter up to save his own skin. My thoughts my opinion, file that in your memory because <laughs> we'll come back to that. We're back with more of this stuff and it gets even deeper after this. A divorce lawyer should be more than just a lawyer. Divorce is like no other experience, especially for guys. At Cordell & Cordell, our clients want a partner standing next to them. Someone they can trust. Someone who understands where they are and how to get them out. We are the attorneys of Cordell & Cordell. We are advisors and advocates for men. Before, during, and after divorce. We are Cordell & Cordell. A partner. Men can count 
To schedule your appointment, give us a call or visit us online at CordellCordell.com. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And My Computer Career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents A Word From Your Wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Violence, screaming obscenities, heated arguments, angry crowds, roller derby? Nah. Election season. And your voice of calm is truthnewsnet.org. You know, I just heard that (laughs) Pete Moss thing, all the violence and all that going on. What do you think it was? Roller derby? Do you know anything about roller derby in the early days of... um, action television, I guess, when they got away from just doing the news and then the soap operas, they started looking for other things to cover. I lived in South Louisiana and I distinctly remember my dad watching roller derby and how fake I thought it looked on TV. Basically, that's all I know about roller derby, but we definitely are seeing all kind of insanity, fighting, screaming, hollering, going on, and yes, we are in an election cycle. Some big news just came out as we were listening to that break from the Supreme Court. The court ruled to block affirmative action in two very closely watched lawsuits against Harvard and the University of North Carolina. Now, these cases were brought by a big group of students, prospective applicants, and their parents back in 2014. And they challenged the university's use of racial preferences during the admission process. You know what this is all about? That's about the equality thing. Equality, or excuse me, equity, which they think, they on the left think, is exactly the same thing as equality. Here's the difference. In the Declaration of Independence, we are all told, if you come to the United States, you are going to have equal justice under the law in every circumstance. But that's not good. The left doesn't want there to be equality for everybody. Why? Because there are far more many white people than there are people of color, color and other ethnicities. So we have to tip the scales. So they call it equity. We are going to make sure there's equity for everybody. And they try to equate equity with equality. But here's the big difference. The reason our forefathers didn't guarantee us equity 
is because equity must be determined by somebody or some group or some individuals who are somehow empowered to do that. And that means they can manipulate the results based on whatever they deem to be part of the process of the determination of equity. Equality means everybody gets the same treatment. And so what happened at Harvard, University of North Carolina, and many other universities around the country, this is going to impact. The admissions people decided, you know what, we don't have enough just plain old white people. And we don't have enough, you know, plain old black people now. So what we've got to do is we've got to tip the scale. And these two universities were principally tipping the scales to stop Asian kids. The ones that were in their applications, the most qualified based upon their education achievements in high school and maybe even other uh, colleges or universities but because Asians in percentages based upon the population of Asians that are in the United States, the percentages were going up to where the university admissions departments felt like it was unfair to those African-American kids, those poor white kids, the ones that weren't or hadn't achieved equal outcomes as did these Asian kids. So we had to pick them up and give them more opportunity while pushing the Asian segment down and not allowing the admissions process to be open for everybody of every race. That's what this one was about. Now, how's it going to impact everybody? Chief Justice John Roberts wrote the majority opinion joined by Justices Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. In other words, every so-called conservative justice voted to kick this affirmative action to the curb. Chief Justice said, a benefit to a student who overcame racial discrimination, for example, must be tied to that student's courage and determination, he wrote. In other words, the student must be treated based on his or her experiences at an individual, not on the basis of his or her race. And by the way, that was a quote from the Chief Justice. I want to point one thing out. That last half of that last sentence, the sentence says, in other words, and I'm quoting him, the student must be treated based on his or her experiences as an individual, not on the basis of race. He said, his or her, (laughs) uh uh-oh, he should have said his slash her because you can't use pronouns. The chief justice does, na-na-na (laughs) boo-boo. Many universities have for too long done just the opposite, he said. And in doing so, they have concluded wrongly that the touchstone of an individual's identity is not challenges bested, skills built, or lessons learned, but simply the color of their skin. Our constitutional history does not, does not tolerate this choice. So in doing this, the court overruled its 2003 decision in Grutter versus Bollinger, which held that race 
could be a factor in the admission process. Now, let me just say this before we go on. That 2003 case, when it happened, I said, this is literally reverse discrimination. It's still discrimination. They were saying for years and years, it's illegal to set your admissions policy based on race. (laughs) And so they flipped it. And now (laughs) the reality and the truth is back in town. Oh, my gosh. So I wanted to bring that to you. There are several other really important Supreme Court cases that we are waiting for opinions on by the court. There'll be more today, more tomorrow. Supposed to get them all done before the end of June, and they're running out of time. So let's go back to what's going on today in Congress and the White House and what and why some of the things are happening and what we think are going to happen. There's a lot of zeal among House Republicans to start launching impeachment proceedings. And so there have been several articles of impeachment bills that have been presented in the House, but they've kind of reached a snag. There's no agreement on which Biden administration figure to target first. So the guy in charge, the one that decides everything that can or cannot come to the floor for consideration in the House is House Speaker. That's Kevin McCarthy, a Republican from California. This week, he threw his support behind a possible impeachment inquiry into Attorney General Merrick Garland just days after the GOP conference sparred internally over a resolution from Representative Lauren Boebert of Colorado, a Republican, to impeach President Biden. And a possible Biden impeachment came on the heels of his announcement from House Homeland Security Committee Chairman Mark Green, Republican from Tennessee, that the panel would kick off the formal investigation of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas needed to proceed with an impeachment inquiry. So since the Republicans have taken over the House, much of this impeachment energy has been focused on DHS Secretary Mayorkas. With disagreements over the border fueling several impeachment resolutions in the weeks after lawmakers were sworn in, there have been a bunch of impeachment bills filed in the House, as a matter of fact. But a drop in border crossings in the last few months, and we don't even know what the numbers are. We're not getting the numbers like we used to get them. I wonder why. Do you think they've stopped coming in? If you do, I've got a piece of beach property just outside of Shreveport, Louisiana, that I want to, I'll make you a great deal on. I mean, I'll make you a great deal on it. You just need to come see me. And of course, I'm joking about that. Uh, (laughs) There is no beach outside of Shreveport, Louisiana. If the whistleblower's allegations are true, this will be a significant part of a larger impeachment inquiry in Amerigarland's Garland's weaponization of the Department of Justice, McCarthy tweeted that out. In May and June alone, lawmakers introduced 11 different impeachment resolutions for top Biden officials. Who are they? Five of them sponsored by Marjorie Taylor Greene, a Republican from Georgia. Aside from Biden, Garland, and Mayorkas, Greene also has her sights on FBI Director Christopher Wray and Matthew Graves, the U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia. 
But until the last few weeks, McCarthy, in many respects, said, pump the brakes on some of the conference's loudest impeachment cheerleaders. He's repeatedly said impeachment can't be seen as a political endeavor. And as a recently as Friday, last Friday said, any efforts have got to reach the constitutional level of impeachment. So Mayorkas, of course, he was the first one to get the bullseye on his back. And we're not going to we're not going to go into that. We're not even going to go into the, all of the Biden stuff. Everything that everybody is saying negatively, you see and hear all about it every day. I mean, it's it's constantly in front of us. Here's the thing. We see all of this. We see all the Hunter Biden stuff. We know all the Hunter Biden stuff that's out there. It's time to quit talking about all this stuff. We've got to quit just talking about it. we got to go do something about it all. If it's worth even considering, get it on the floor. That's where it needs to start. And if there's meat on the bone, I trust the members of the House of Representatives to look at the articles of impeachment that would be brought forward on any of these bills for consideration and just categorically analyze the allegations and compare those If they're factually true, the allegations, they're nothing but this is what we think stuff at this particular point. But if you think they're true and they line up with the determination of impeachment that are laid out in the United States Constitution, then vote for impeachment. If the majority in the House do that, they'll take those articles of impeachment over to the Senate as the Constitution requires, and the Senate considers if those articles, based on constitutional requirements, justify having a trial of the alleged offender. Let's just do it under the law. Let's do away with the pontification about, oh, this is the righteous thing to do, or we can't do that. Just freaking do it according to the rules. The rules, the law the United States Constitution, and get her done. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. What happens when a young singer gets to cut a track with an R&B star? Yo! Or a young activist gets to chop it up with their hero? Oh, snap! You get McDonald's Black and Positively Golden Mentors, the series elevating the next generation of changemakers. Each episode, a must-see passing of the torch between the culture leaders of today and the young leaders of tomorrow. Check out Black and Positively Golden Mentors on Instagram at We Are Golden. Look out, world. We got it from here. Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples, make more happen. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. 
Enrique Santos for Taco Bell. The toasted cheddar chalupa from Taco Bell is back. And I know what you're thinking because I'm thinking the same thing. Did they really toast six-month-old aged cheddar right onto a delicious flaky chalupa shell again? Yes, they did. But now it's even tastier. It comes with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink, all in a $5 box. That's right, all that for just a little cheddar. But don't forget, it's back for a limited time. The $5 toasted cheddar chalupa box, only at Taco Bell. Before we get back to uh, the meat of the conversation here today, you know, we've we've mentioned Marjorie Taylor Greene's name several times here. She's a firebrand. I mean, she is really a go-getter representing the people of Georgia. Um, she's filed several of these articles of impeachment of these various folks. She, like Miss many, if not most, of uh, the conservative Americans, they're tired of this ruling class this bureaucracy totally taking over our lives, telling us what we can and can't do and making decisions, government decisions, not based upon the will of the people they represent in their various states and districts, but they're doing and making decisions based solely on their opinions. Now, we're going to get back into some of this impeachment stuff, but before we do that, Marjorie Taylor Greene talks about specifically the Hunter Biden plea bargain from last week. Here's her thoughts on the matter. Many media conservatives, not to mention Republican lawmakers, are furious that Hunter Biden was able to cut a plea deal, uh, two misdemeanor charges on tax matters and one on gun charge that won't even be prosecuted. Um, but the response to that is the deal was cut, the plea bargain was agreed to by the Trump-appointed U.S. attorney in Delaware. Yeah, see, that's that's a situation that is mind boggling to most Americans. You know, most Americans and actually all Americans, unless you're the son of the president of the United States, you go to jail for the same crimes that Hunter Biden has committed. And now through the Ways and Means Committee, the the shocking information that they released yesterday that Hunter Biden did not report two point two million dollars to the IRS. Hunter Biden also wrote off uh, uh, paying prostitutes through his business as a business expense. You know, I'm a business owner of a construction company, and I know what writing off business expenses are, but writing off uh, human sex trafficking is is no, no type of expense anyone should write off for their business, and that's something they should go to jail for. Um, it doesn't matter to me whether it's a Trump-appointed attorney, Trump-appointed judge. It does not matter. That attorney is not doing it job. Um, oversight Republicans, Ways and Means Republicans, Judiciary Republicans are un unraveling the crimes of Hunter Biden faster than this attorney ever did. He didn't do his job. He didn't go far enough. And these charges are a pathetic excuse that the American people are not buying. As a matter of fact, they're furious over it. All right. Well, Hunter Biden obviously did plead guilty to a couple of charges. I take your point. Uh, just briefly, the media seemed far more interested in Donald Trump's felony indictments in the classified documents case than in Hunter Biden, at least much of the media. But in fairness, aren't they two vastly different cases? Absolutely, they're different. And, and here's the situation that the American people know. They're tired of the media spending over 90% of their time trashing and bashing Donald Trump while never really spending that much time 
talking about Joe Biden and people like Hillary Clinton who did the very same thing and much worse. And look at Joe Biden. He has the classified documents all over the country from from Chinatown here in Washington, D.C., all the way to, to the University of Pennsylvania, to Delaware in his garage where the door opens and closes to let his Corvette out of the garage. But yet they're going after Donald Trump. I mean, this is just an outrage. So these felony charges are the same old playbook that the Democrats use over and over again. And that's charged Donald Donald Trump with with crimes that he hasn't committed while completely ignoring Democrats who have committed real crimes. Well, the president remains under investigation by a special counsel over those documents. Marjorie Taylor Greene, thanks very much for joining us. Representative Greene, you don't need to get so upset. I mean, uh, Joe Biden, he wasn't president. Donald Trump was president. And that means what Donald Trump did is way, 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 way worse than what you know, a guy that was just the vice president and a senator before that. It's two different things. You can't, when you talk about a president, oh my gosh, presidents have all kinds of responsibilities. They can't do these kinds of things. Well, actually, if you look at the law and look at precedents on the handling of classified documents by people in government, nobody except a U.S. president, while he or she is president, can personally declassify any document. And by the way, they can classify and declassify any document that they choose. Precedent, and it's been litigated many times in the past, a president has that unilateral authority. Now that means Donald Trump had authority to declassify. Now, let's talk about Joe Biden. Well, Joe Biden's the president. Well, he just became president in January of 2021. These documents, and there's only a few of them that they have discovered, and they didn't discover them. Biden's attorneys voluntarily reported them to the National Archives. Well, that's true. They did but they didn't report them until after the Mar-a-Lago event happened. And then there's this little conundrum that most Americans are forgetting about. Joe Biden was never president until 2020. That means the classified documents that he had in his possession, just because they were classified documents and in his possession is a felony violation for anyone that does that other than a sitting president. Well, I'm sure, you know, I get it, but he had all his personal papers, letters, just like Donald Trump, he had special memos that came and things and pictures that he took. He had every right to take those, did Joe Biden, even though he was just a senator and his highest place in office before that, after being a senator, was his vice president for eight years for Barack Obama. Joe Biden had in his possession 1,850 boxes of classified records. Not documents. 1,850 boxes of records. Every one of the documents in those boxes if they truly are classified, and you you can bet most of them are, 
Every one of those is a felony violation of the handling of classified documents. Let's see. They launched a long, intense, deep investigation into Donald Trump's mishandling of classified documents, didn't they? Well, yeah, the National Archives reached out to him, went down there. They went and examined at Mar-a-Lago where and how the documents were being taken care of. And, oh, the National Archives even suggested that they lock one of the cabinets where the Trump folks were keeping these classified documents. I get all of that. And by the way, the Trump folks, they complied. But what's the difference, Dan? Well, you heard Marjorie Taylor Greene. They found these 1,850 boxes that Biden had of classified documents. Some of them were at the University of Penn in his uh, think tank there. Well, that seems like a good place to have it. Guess whose offices were next door in the Penn Center? I'm going to blow your mind. (laughs) The Communist Party of China. They were in the same location. And nobody knows how these documents were being kept in Joe Biden's offices there. That's one spot. The other was in the garage in Delaware next to his Corvette. Every one of the Mar-a-Lago documents were in 24-7 protection of the Secret Service at Mar-a-Lago. Donald Trump is the one that gets charged. How's that investigation into Biden's mishandling of classified documents by that special counsel? How's that investigation coming? Boy, the mainstream media are all over it. After all, Trump had all this stuff going on. Biden's just an innocent old man. He just wanted to have his memorabilia and keep it throughout his career in politics. And so he did it, even though he did it in violation of federal law, and even though he he is guilty, not alleged by the letter of the law, he is guilty beyond exception under the law. This is not about mishandling documents. This is about we got to keep the orange man from getting back in the White House. That is all that I promise you. That's all that matters. And they realize at the end of it all, they're not going to be successful. I mean, those two impeachment operations they purported toward the end of his four years in office, they were pretty darn sure he wasn't going to be removed. It wasn't about getting him removed. Oh, they would love it if that had been the end result of either impeachment but they were trying to enrage the American people to the point the Americans would say, we've had enough. Get this guy out of here. Same thing they're trying to do now. They're afraid of what he is going to expose if and when he gets back to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Now, I wonder what that means. What would he be exposing That's a question that I'd love to sit and talk with the former president about. Let's just move on for a few minutes. Uh, As I told you, we're broadcasting live. I'm looking right now. I'm sitting at my on-the-road studio console looking through a window 
down on a beautiful pool, and just on the other end of the pool are the calmly breaking waves of the Atlantic Ocean. I'm in St. Simons Island, Georgia. Beautiful place. Family vacation. Our entire family is here. Uh, We're in a beautiful location. My kids, my children, our children, we have three kids, Kimmy, Corey, and Caleb. Two girls and then a boy. And we have six grandkids. All but two of the grandkids are here. The two oldest are working. And we've done this every year that we could since the kids were very little. And the beach is our deal. I'm not a beach person. I mean, I like to get out every once in a while. Every day I'll go walk at the beach. We have a little dog, Olivia, that loves me. She's kind of daddy's girl. And she prances. She's a little four-pound Yorkshire Terrier. When we get out on the sand, she prances down that sandy beach. And I love that. And I'll get in the water every once in a while. I'll get in the pool. I like having a pool. Uh, I'll get in the pool, but I'm just not into getting in salt water. And I grew up around the ocean a bunch in South Louisiana and South Texas. And our place has always been every summer we take a beach vacation. Has been on the Redneck Coast, the Redneck Riviera. That's northwest Florida in the extreme southeast border on the water of Alabama. Destin, Florida and Gulf Shores, Alabama, which are right next to each other. Sandy, sandy, white, I mean bleached white sand and crystal clear water. We have an extended family member who their family lives over here, so they talked us into coming here, and we've been together having a blast. And I'm telling you all this, besides to gloat, I'm telling you that there's some stuff happening along the coast of where we normally go that is really not good. A bunch of people are dying there. In Bay County, Florida, where Destin, Panama City, Fort Walton are, authorities have warned beachgoers of treacherous conditions on the county's beaches there after multiple people have drowned. And one of those who drowned is a former NFL quarterback. Strong currents and surf continue on the sandy beaches of Bay County. This is from the Bay County Sheriff's Office, a warning to exercise caution and observe the single red flags posted on the beaches. These warnings came on the heels of a rash of drownings, including retired firefighter Richard Alford, who drowned right off Panama City Beach, and former NFL quarterback Ryan Mallett, who went to college at the University of Arkansas. He drowned in Destin. Panama City Beach, one of Bay County's beaches, was the deadliest beach in the U.S. from January to June this year. Seven drownings since June 15th. And since this story was penned, there have been two more. That's kind of odd. I looked at a map last night that shows the riptides along those beaches. Destin, Florida, Panama City, Florida, and Gulf Shores, Alabama. And it's kind of scary. Those riptides, just so you know, it looks innocent on the beach. You can't tell from the beach there are any riptides out there. But those riptides, they do one of two things. They very strongly will push you along in parallel to the beach that you're, that you're at. 
but will push you to the side going down or up that beach. And when that happens, it scares people to death and they start fighting that current, which you can't beat. Experts tell you if that happens to you, what you just need to do is relax and eventually the riptide will subside or it'll move some other direction and you'll be able to get back to the beach. If you try to fight it, you'll get exhausted and you'll probably drown, which is what is happening to these other people. Sometimes the riptide will take you out. That's the scary one. But the same principle holds true. You've got to let it take you out and just tread water as long as you can and hope that somebody on the co- on the beach or the coastline will see you and will come out in a boat or a jet ski to rescue you. So just be careful. If you take beach vacations, by all means do it. I love it. It's relaxing to me just to sit here and look at those waves and I don't have the windows open to hear the waves because of, of course, the show. But we'll go outside after the show and spend most of the afternoon out there with family and Olivia and enjoy those breaking waves. So let's get back to some business. Senators Choss, uh, Senators Hawley and Braun are demanding that the Biden administration turn over more of the COVID origins information after answering with some very evasive answers to some of their questions. Braun's from Indiana, Hawley from Republican, both of them uh, Holly's, I'm sorry, from Missouri, both of them Republicans. They're demanding that Biden's administration give them more details about the origins of COVID after releasing a 10-page report that describes links between the origins of the virus and work at the Wuhan Institute of Laboratory back in 2019. Two months ago, Congress passed and Biden signed a law known as the COVID-19 Origin Act of 2023. It requires Biden's administration to release any and all information relating to links between the Wuhan Institute of Virology in Wuhan, China, and the origin of COVID-19. And the law set a June 18th deadline to declassify and make available to all of us as much information as possible. Well, guess what? They haven't done it. Hawley and Brown sent a reminder letter to Biden June 14th but his administration missed the June 18th deadline to declassify and publicly release the COVID-19 origins documents. The Office of the Director of National Intelligence, ODNI, instead, they published a 10-page document five days late on the evening of June 23rd. The 10-pager included a one-page cover sheet a one-page table of contents, and a three-page appendix of terms used throughout the report. So what does that mean? You've got one, two, three more, five. You've got five pages of nothing, and they cover the whole origin of COVID in just five pages. And those five pages stated, Wuhan Institute of Virology worked with several viruses, including coronaviruses, but no known viruses that could plausibly be a progenitor of SARS-CoV-2. The report described how several Wuhan Institute of Virology researchers fell ill in the fall of 2019 and said these researchers possessed some symptoms that were consistent with COVID-19 and some symptoms considered not consistent with COVID-19. 
The COVID-19 Origin Act calls for a full declassification, not Cliff's notes to cover for Fauci and protect China. That's from Braun. He wrote that in a Monday press release. The report released today by the DNI is totally insufficient. The bill Senator Hawley and I passed was to declassify any and all information. So here we go again. You're dealing with the Joe Biden administration, and they don't give a rip about what you think. They don't care about what you say, and it really doesn't matter. They demand that we all just sit down and shut up. Don't talk about anything unless they tell us it's okay. And certainly don't say things that disagree with the narrative that they're spinning out there. So let's do something together. Why don't we spin one of our own today? And let's start right here. I'm going to write a headline for a story. See what you think about it. Here we go. You ready? Oldest president in American history has been placed on a respiratory device. Hmm. Oldest president in American history has been placed on a respiratory device. Wow. You mean, well, Joe Biden's the oldest president in history. Is he on a respirator? No, he's not on a respirator. And yes, he is the oldest president in U.S. history. He's begun using a continuous positive airway pressure machine. It's called the CPAP. He does it every night to treat his sleep apnea. The White House announced it on Wednesday. Let me tell you about CPAP machines. Two things that I personally been involved with, with CPAP machines. Number one, my father, who died a few years ago at 92, he was on a CPAP. He slept at night because he had that CPAP on because he had sleep apnea. Sleep apnea means that you're, during the night, sporadically, you'll just stop breathing. And it's usually for just a second or so, sometimes not even a whole second. But I don't need to tell you the dangers of not breathing. (laughs) I mean, they're fatal. As a matter of fact, my father died when he was asleep using a CPAP machine because he rolled over on the line from the CPAP machine to the, um, the piece that was on his face and it suffocated him to death. That's number one. Number two, and the number two is a good one. For the last 48 years, I've been sleeping with a woman that has sleep apnea. Thankfully, it's just minor, and she uses a CPAP machine, and that's Marianne, my wife. Now, she hasn't been using it for all 48 years. In fact, only about four or five, and it's very successful for her. Anyway, since 2008, this president disclosed his history with sleep apnea in thorough medical reports. Now, this is coming from the White House. He used a CPAP machine last night, which is common for people with that history. This all came out because yesterday, in his public appearances, he had marks on his cheeks that they were lines, like red lines. And the questions were abundant, like, what happened to President Biden? 
And so the White House comes out and explains it. Those lines were from uh, the connectors from his ears. That CPAP breathing apparatus goes and it's it's held on your face by uh, a band that's put around the back of your head over the top of your ears down to that piece that goes into your mouth and nose. CNN reported it this way. During Biden's 2021 physical, the White House physician, Dr. Kevin O'Connor, singled out two areas of observation, an increasing frequency and severity of throat clearing and coughing during speaking engagements and the president's stiffer gait. Bates' confirmation of Biden's use of the CPAP machine came after Biden was seen with marks on the side of his face. The CPAP machine, uh, this is the official line, quote, uses mild air pressure to keep breathing airways open while you sleep. A White House official said Biden began using his CPAP machine in recent weeks to improve his sleep quality. So you should be having a headline on a story like, you know, President Biden question on marks on his face came from his CPAP machine. No big deal. But I like mine better. Oldest president in American history placed on a respiratory device. Based upon mainstream media, the way they do stories, that should have been the headline by somebody like Fox News. Conservative, you know, where you... You find the worst about the president when CNN and MSNBC and all the leftist other media outlets, they do only positive headlines about President Biden. Now, let me just give you some of Biden's own words. It may shock you. He says he met alone, alone 68 times with Xi Jinping. He's the president of China. Joe Biden says he met, not just met with Xi Jinping 68 times, but he met alone with him. Biden was speaking in Chicago about his failing economy and his plans to revive it, although he never said it's failing and he never said it needed to be revived. Biden told the crowd a story about his lengthy experience with Xi, the head of the Chinese Communist Party, which has tentacles throughout Biden family business deals. Here's what he said. Quote, I was on the Tibetan plateau with Xi Jinping. I traveled 17,000 miles with him. I spoke with him and it started when I was vice president and he was the vice president. We knew he was going to be the successor. It was inappropriate for Barack to spend time with him, but I spent a lot of time with him, Biden said. I met alone with him, just he and I, along with a simultaneously, uh, a simultaneous interpreter, 68 times, 68 hours, 68 times, more than 68 hours, by the way. I turned in all my notes. Joe took 411 trips while he was vice president. You know, Joe probably forgets that there are people that keep count of things that are important, like how many trips he took. One of the 411 trips was to Beijing in 2013, under the trappings, by the way, of a family vacation. 
Hunter flew to China with his father aboard Air Force Two. During that excursion, Hunter introduced Joe to his Chinese business partner and Chinese private equity executive Jonathan Lee. Jonathan is the CEO of the same company linked to Chinese energy interest of Hunter and Joe. Ten days after the Chinese visit, Hunter got a 10% interest in BHR Partners. BHR Partners is a Chinese state-backed investment fund co-founded with Lee. The fund's capitalization was a paltry $1 billion. The Bank of China, a state-owned bank, controls BHR Partners. BHR Partners' website boasts 15 billion RMB, which is the Chinese currency, in various portfolio companies, translating to more than $2 billion U.S. dollars. Hunter held a 10% interest in BHR with the entity Schenectady's LLC. Hunter controls Schenectady's, according to Chinese public records, as the sole governor until its dissolution in September of 21. That's according to a Washington, D.C. registration document. Documents obtained first revealed by nonprofit Marco Polo show the control of Schenectady's LLC is held by Kevin Morris, Hunter Biden's top attorney, who also paid Hunter Biden's $2 million, $2.2 million IRS debts. And this just gets bigger and and deeper. In 2017, Jonathan Lee, the CEO of investment fund BHR, reached out to Hunter and his business partners, Devin Archer and Jim Bulger, for advice about a college application for his son. Bulger was a part of the CEFC Energy deal with 10 Help by H for the big guy. You remember that? According to a 2017 email, from Hunter Biden's infamous laptop. The CFC chairier was Yi Jinming, who paid Hunter $1 million as a retainer fee for legal services in 2017. Hunter also got a large diamond from Yi in February of 2017, worth about eighty to 90000 bucks. Yi had direct abiding and deep ties to Chinese intelligence when they were arranging these deals for the Bidens, the, Biden, the Bidens are the best I know at doing exactly what the chairman wants from this partnership. That's what Hunter Biden told the CEFC associate in 2017. It appears many Biden family members accepted money from a deal with CEFC. The House Oversight Committee revealed in March that that company controls State Energy HK Limited, a company linked to the 1.3 million collective payments to the Biden family members. Through the Biden family's suspicious activity reports, those are the reports that banks, U.S. banks, send to the Treasury when there are suspicious wire transfers coming to Americans' accounts, usually with big dollars. Through the Biden family's suspicious activity reports, the committee discovered a Biden associate, Rob Walker, got a $3 million wire transfer from CEFC. In turn, four Biden family members, that would be Hunter James, Joe's brother, 
Hallie, his sister, Hunter's sister, and an unidentified Biden received a collective $1.3 million cut from that $3 million wire transfer. And oh, by the way, Joe did not travel alone with Xi Jinping ever, and he did not meet alone with him 68 times, 68 hours, he added, and then he changed it back to 68 times, and then he changed it to more than 68 hours. That is all a lie. And it's not me saying I don't like Joe Biden and I want to denigrate him in some way or any way that I can. It's just simply a fact. How hard is it to unlock your car? Not hard. How hard is it to shut your car door? Not hard. How hard is it to start your car? Not hard. How hard is it to put your seatbelt on? People are still dying in car accidents because they were not wearing a seatbelt, which is stupid because it's not that hard. Smarten up, buckle up. Think road safety. A message from the Government of South Australia. Biggie bag, huh? It's new from Wendy's. It's everything you ever wanted for just five bucks. Everything I ever wanted? Wendy's bacon double stack, four nuggets, fries, a drink, and the spelling bee medal you lost in second grade because you couldn't spell soliloquy. It really is everything I ever wanted. Get a bacon double stack with a quarter pound of fresh beef, nuggets, fries, and a drink for just five bucks. Wendy's Biggie Bag is everything you ever wanted. Sorry, I'm going to need all that back. Really? Des Moines HelpWanted.com salutes the employee of the month. The one employee you can't live without. The others, let's just call them Dave. Dave, we need to talk about your sick days. What seems to be the problem, Mr. Employee of the Month? Last week you were out all five days. I was sick. Thanks for checking in. You posted on social media that you were at a comedy club on Monday. Laughter is the best medicine. An outdoor barbecue on Tuesday. Feed a cold, starve a fever, or whichever one needs to be fed. That's the one I had. Okay, Wednesday you took a selfie, hashtag faking sick. That was supposed to say freaking sick. Thursday you were at an amusement Park. Somebody stole my phone. They stole your phone and uploaded photos of you at an amusement park. Yes, fake news. Friday, you tailgated in the employee parking lot. Friday's basically the weekend. Everyone knows that. If you don't mind hiring Dave's, go to the huge national job boards. That's probably what you'll get. But if you want more employees of the month, go where local job seekers find good local jobs. We don't discriminate against people named Dave. Dave is a common name, fun to say, and so we're using it as a catch-all for lackluster employees everywhere. Please don't write us to tell us you were insulted by this ad. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. The Truth and Dan Newman goes together like beans and rice, brats and kraut, you and the future. TNN, The Truth News Network. So something we don't do here, just because typically it takes too much time and it's best to have the conversation when you're looking at some graphics to back up the things that you are saying. But the reason Joe Biden is out there on the trail right now. And technically, he's not campaigning, but we all know he campaigns as any incumbent that is running again for their office always seem to campaign while they're doing their jobs. Right now, he's out on the trail talking about and touting Bidenomics is what, that's his term, Bidenomics. Bidenomics is our economy under Joe Biden. And he's out there, bragging about how good everything is. 
Let me just tell you a personal story that happened. I went to a grocery store yesterday here in uh, St. Simons Island, Georgia. Now, granted, this is a, uh, you know, an upscale, it's a resort area. And there are a lot of wealthy people from up on the East Coast, the New York, Boston area that come down here. Many of them have really big homes on the water. It's a big deal. I love being on the water and I understand that. In fact, we had a home that we built that we kept for 15 years. It was built on a lake. And the reason we built it on the lake was because we lo- we both, Marianne and I both like being close to the water. And so I went into this store and I started doing some shopping. You know, when you have a, fam- a big family together, you got kids, you got adults, different kinds of taste. One of our daughters is a vegan, so we're kind of, you know, putting together potpourri for every meal that we have. We're going to dinner tonight, by the way, which is a good thing. It's a whole lot easier. (laughs) But I was at the store buying things that we buy all the time. And I do shop. I, I grocery shop. I'm not the principal grocery shopper, but I will from time to time. So I kind of have a fix on some prices of most items. And I, I was looking at things like cheese and some potato chips and some soft drinks. And those three categories, I don't, we don't eat many p- potato chips, but, you know, I, I, we have grandkids, so when they're going to be around, we always have chips and stuff for them. So I know the pricing. And I know there may be a little bit of expense added because we're on a, an island in, uh, in Georgia, St. Simon's Island. But I paid for a regular bag, not the little ones, but the ones that are next size up, not, not the big, big, big ones, Lay's potato chips, the Ruffles. I paid $6 yesterday for a bag of those chips. And so I got back and I went online to see if that was normal. And I looked at Walmart online and I looked at their Lay's Ruffle chips in a bag the same size and they were much cheaper four dollars and 72 cents <laughs> folks there's something going on in this economy that ain't good and this president is out there bragging about bidenomics larry kudlow a really good business mind he's been around forever he is truly an economist and he happens to be on fox business but he weighed in on the reality of Bidenomics. Once more with feeling, Joe Biden on the campaign hustings, desperately trying to sell something called Bidenomics. You know, middle out, bottom up. What does that mean? No one knows what it means. Hear this and weep. Bidenomics is about building an economy from the middle out and the bottom up, not the top down. When I took office, the pandemic was raging. And our economy was reeling. Yep, there he goes again. Now, just one quick footnote on that one. The economy was reeling at a 6.5% annual growth rate. That was given to him on a silver platter by Donald Trump. Today, the economy is actually reeling at a 1% growth rate. So boss Biden gets another bottomless Pinocchio. Now, how about this? Unleash prosperity. Now, that would be my kind of slogan. Or how about a rising tide lifts all boats? You know who said that? Democrat John F. Kennedy. 
Then the late great supply sider Jack Kemp always talked about a rising tide lifting all boats. Then Ronald Reagan used it all the time. In other words, everyone, everyone benefits from a pro-growth economic policy. The trouble with Joe Biden is he's a stick-in-the-mud class warrior. Middle, lower, upper, diversity, equity, inclusion, woke. It's all left-wing gibberish. Biden says his middle out, bottom up, whatever that means, is working. Sure it is, Joe. Okay, a couple new polls out today. YouGov just said 29% of voters, 29% of voters approve of his inflation policy, while 61% disapprove. Overall, a recent AP NORC University of Chicago poll says 34% of voters approve of Biden's economic policy. 30 4%. So we have a wee bit of a disconnect here between his rhetoric and the reality. Or in terms of middle out, bottom up, real hourly earnings, a.k.a. middle class wages, are falling 3% at an annual rate, falling. Or real average weekly earnings are dropping at a 5% annual rate, dropping. Or for the bottom quartile of income earners, which is about $38,000 a year or less, they've declined by 2.3% at an average rate under Joe Bidenomics. And for the second quartile, which is 57,000 grand or less, their real weekly wages have declined by 3.9% at an annual rate. So, so much for middle out, bottom up class warfare. Now, how about for the entire country? Just once. Cut out all this class warfare nonsense. Now, Joe Biden may be attacking Reaganomics, but think of this. After Ronald Reagan's tax cuts went into place in 1983, the economy grew at 6% at an annual rate for the next two years. Not 1%, 6%. And then, after a second round of tax cuts in 1986, the economy grew at a 5% annual rate for the entire seven-year period of his presidency, from 1982 to 1989. Now, after Joe Biden's $2 trillion American Rescue Plan, which was his landmark policy, a 6.5% economy delivered by Donald Trump sputtered to a 1% growth rate in Biden's first full year, 2022 and early 23. And after Trump hand-delivered a 1.4% inflation rate, under Bidenomics it soared to a 9% inflation rate, which destroyed family affordability and worker incomes. Now look, at, here's the most fundamental point I can make. Joe Biden is pursuing the most anti-business economic policies since FDR some 85 years ago. Biden has spent roughly $6 trillion, raised taxes across the board, generated over $500 billion worth of new regulations. He has waged war on fossil fuels, more warfare against large and small businesses, put together a massive vote-buying, grifting industrial policy, and engaged in the most central planning this country has ever seen. Big government socialism has been jammed down crazy left-wing nostrums like Green New Deals, no gas-powered cars, no microwaves, showerheads, gas-burning stove. Heck, you can't even get decent wooden coal-fired pizza. 
Consumer prices have gone up 15.6% in two years. The economy is stagnating, the country is unhappy, and his polls are plunging. Steve Forbes calls it modern socialism through the regulatory state. Art Laffer would yell from the rooftop that taxes have consequences. The great free market economist Milton Friedman is turning over in his grave. Heck, if John Maynard Keynes were still alive, he'd be screaming, stop, enough already. Thomas Jefferson would ask, where's life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness? Adam Smith would send an annotated version of his book, Wealth of Nations. So I'll merely conclude with the greatest humility. Save America, please. Send Joe Biden into retirement. I'll just tell you my opinion. I don't know who any of those people were that he was listing at the end of that piece on the Bidenomics, but I do agree with his premise that something ain't right. 15%, that's the average that we are paying more for everything across the board. Now remember, within that number, there are a lot of things that are way, way, way higher than 15% more than they were when uh, he became president, Joe Biden. And he wants even more of that. He boasted there's going to be no more coal-fired power plant developments anywhere in the nation. In a speech yesterday he gave in Chicago, he bragged that his economic and energy policies have disincentivized any future development of coal-fired power plants. While he's touting the merits of green energy technology, his administration's policies favor according to a video of the speech. He was talking about a month ago after a May 23rd grid assessment report from the North America Electric Reliability Corporation that warned our power grid serving most of New England and a large majority of Americans who live west of the Mississippi River face elevated risk of rolling blackouts this summer if weather conditions are hotter than normal. Quote, you know, it's already cheaper. Wind and solar are already significantly cheaper than coal and oil. You're not going to see anybody build a new coal-fired plant in America, not just because I'd like to pass a law to say that. It's too expensive. It doesn't work anymore, he said during his speech. Now, before I give you the rest of his speech, let me point something out. Do you know that in Communist China today, every week, every week, do you get that? Every week, one time a week, somewhere in China, Xi Jinping, the president of China, his China, every week, a brand new coal-fired power plant is opened one time every week. And Joe Biden's over here bragging, oh man, we're not going to have another single coal-fired power plant ever going to open in the United States of America. He's bragging about that. Meanwhile, his carbon fuel power deal, the one that he started the first day in his office as president, his making the energy availability and the energy cost 
across the board in America, untenable. Americans are dying at the hands of far-left Green New Deal technology pipe dreams that this president is selling. He's out selling it. And nobody, even him, understands how it's possible. He said solar power is not just here, but it's around the world. And we used to be the center of building these solar panels. We're coming back and doing it again. America's going to lead again. He's lying there because China is still, we are sending them all of our solar panel business almost exclusively on his watch. And of course, his answer for all of that is don't use coal, don't use oil, don't use gas, use those famous solar energy operations that create electricity. Oh my gosh, it's incredible how they do that. And batteries, we're going to all battery-powered vehicles. I don't know if you were here the other day, but I talked about battery cars. You know, battery cars are much more expensive than their carbon-fuel-powered competitors. But batteries are so much less expensive to operate, and they're certainly far more environmentally friendly than are those evil gas and diesel-powered vehicles. He forgot to tell us a few things. Have you seen the pictures of the strip mines in Nevada? Those strip mines where they create these massive deep holes in the ground that are a half mile across where they strip mine from the top going down, stripping out the elements that are necessary to build and create and put in the batteries that power all these amazing battery-powered cars. That land cannot be reclaimed. We published a couple of years ago at truthnewsnet.org a picture of one of those strip mines where that element came from, and it destroyed the environment for miles around the strip mine, and that's just one. And then on the same page, in a picture next to that, we showed a picture of a natural gas well that was creating the similar amount of energy as did all of the battery elements that came out of that strip mine. And the picture of that natural gas well, you know what it was? It was a green field, grass, totally green. And in the middle of the field, there was a one-inch pipe that came out of the ground about three feet up, and it had a little meter on the top of it. That's what's left of a natural gas well when it goes online. Oh, by the way, those Teslas, they're very expensive cars. Elon Musk cars, they're usually, they, I think they start around 70000 go up to 120000 130000 You know, batteries, just like it, your flashlight on your phone. I mean, you got an iPhone, you have to every day find a place to plug it up to recharge, right? That's simple. There's just a little card, you plug it into the wall. 
When you got a car, you can't do that. Yeah, you can plug it in, but you know what? Just like yours, batteries don't last forever. So how much does it cost to replace the batteries on a Tesla, as an example? Let's just look at this together. Replacement cost for batteries on a Tesla. And how long do batteries last? I normally don't do this, but I thought rather than me pontificating about it, we could just look it up together. Okay, this is from the geek. Uh, da, 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 da. The battery replacement is probably the most costly repair an electric car driver can incur. Teslas are especially notorious for their high repair cost, including how much it takes to swap out a new battery if something should go wrong. Let's see, Teslas will even cover the cost of battery replacement if a charge capacity falls below 70% during the warranty period, something that is very rare. Tesla claims their EVs can retain 90% of their charge capacity, even 200,000 miles. They go through all of this and all of that. It costs $20,000 or more, depending on which Tesla you have. And it's based on the particular Tesla you have and the equipment and options that it has. But you're going to average, beginning on the low end, $20,000 all the way up to $40,000. $40,000 to replace all the batteries on a Tesla. And remember, they got multiple batteries. So you don't very often just replace one. You replace the whole bank of them, 40000 or so. But listen, you don't have to worry about anything because Joe's got it taken care of. Solar and wind, that's what's going to replace everything that is coal, gas, diesel, all of those. Those are going to be replaced by batteries. And just so you got an idea about the solar panels and the solar energy that the United States is getting, we're getting a lot of it. But to produce to produce the energy needed for the United States would require, and just doing it 100% solar, it would require that every square inch of the United States from the Mississippi River all the way to the Pacific Ocean, every square inch would have to be covered by a solar panel. And that would take care of our energy requirements of our requirements right now. And it wouldn't take long before every square inch of ground in the United States as we grow in population and size, our energy requirements grow. At that point, it would take every square inch. That ain't going to (laughs) happen. That is not going to happen. Why can I say that? Well, it's because Americans won't stand for it. China's building a 
new oil, excuse me, a new coal-fired energy plant, one a week. So if we want to fight world pollution, world carbon emissions, Joe's a good friend with Xi Jinping, president of China. Joe's president of the United States. Those two guys are buddy. They are all buddied up. Joe spent 68 times, no 68 hours, no far more than 68 hours, 68 times we took trips together. No, we were just together 68 times. That would mean they're close. I mean, you don't get together with somebody 68 times if you don't like them. Surely Joe can get that pollution problem in China, which is much greater than ours, much greater than every other country on the planet with the exception of one, India. India last year was the number one carbon problem polluter on the planet. Oh, by the way, India is building coal-fired plants as well to take care of their problems, which is the number one producer of carbon emissions. But Joe, <laughs> we got it handled. We're going to do away with carbon-fired plants for energy, and we're going to replace them with the entire nation, including Alaska, having solar panels. And this guy is president of the United States, oh my gosh. So we've got Joe Biden. But we have relief on the other side of that knowledge that we have, Joe. We have the view. And the view is an incredible place to get factual information and to get the things, understanding of the things that we really need to understand. I know that we love talking about The View because it's the worst show on American television because it parades <laughs> as a debate, but really it's just a, you know, circle session for uh, for people and ladies of the left. But their treatment of Mike Pence, you think, might be the beginning of the end of this terrible television show. Just accuse me of something, so why don't you let me actually answer? You're not going to no, vote for a Republican no, ever. No, Trump. Don't make this personal. Let's hear. Yeah. Spearhead the Trump. Sonny likes to make it personal spear- with me, so we'll just... He's well, Are you going to give me a chance to answer? Speaking the truth. Spearheading troop, uh, Trump's COVID-19 I mean, agenda <laughs> of downplaying the virus. Well, this did, is not what then, the show is about. This is Barbara it's Walters' legacy. It's everybody's view. It's everybody's view. It's just a absolutely terrible show but you know terrible shows have a way of sticking around we've talked about it before you know barbara walters set this thing up to be truly different women from different points of view sharing their views respectfully and having a conversation and by the way the show did that quite well uh, for many years while Bar- while barbara was there it has si- subsequently derailed since her uh, but as they were talking about mike pence you know watching sonny hostin who i have deemed to be the most unlikable te- person in american television maybe australian television as well if they're repeating the view for you guys uh, watching her just attack Alyssa farrah who's you know she's the quote unquote conservative of the group which right there the fact that there's one quote unquote conservative so how is that the view if you have five harpies that all believe the same thing always going after the one you can already see there's an asymmetry here so you know Alyssa Farah unfortunately she's getting as she gets abused by Sonny she's just getting what they paid her for they paid her to take abuse from a bunch of hysterical lefties so you know i hope i hope the contract's worth it 
Yeah, this is the thing. You, you know, uh, if you're the conservative, and I'm not even talking about old school or new school, if you're just they're able to to wear that footy jumper, they treat you like the pinata as the one they all just roll their eyes at. But of course, as everything gets turned up to eleven, they look crazier than ever. Crazier than ever. The view. That's the go-to place that we're all supposed to go to. Well, stuff keeps coming out. Supreme Court, they've got these opinions that have to be released before their term is over. We've got several that have already come out. We told you about the one that uh, affected the University of North Carolina and uh, also Harvard specifically, but it uh, impacts everybody else. It is unconstitutional to use race to determine the ability of somebody to enter colleges. In fact, you can't discriminate. Can you believe that here we are in 2023 and we're still discriminating against people of color? And it's not black people. (laughs) It's Asian people. These universities are discriminating against Asians supposedly to keep spots in their universities open for those disadvantaged people of color. So they're doing it in the name of stopping racism. They're using racism to stop it. And so there's a bunch of news coming out across the nation as we get into the the campaign time for the 2024 election about abortion. So Joe's out on the trail, and we know that is a danger for him saying things that may be true but may not be the right thing to say for certain circumstances. He told the crowd today, minutes ago, that he is personally not a supporter of abortion and that termination procedures in the last three months are not clear-cut. Speaking to a crowd in Maryland, he claimed his relationship to Catholicism makes him personally uncomfortable with abortion, but that Roe v. Wade got it right. Now, what does all this mean? (laughs) So, I'm, you know, I happen to be a practicing Catholic. I'm not big on abortion, but guess what? Roe v. Wade got it right. (sighs) Roe v. Wade cut in a place, that's a bad term to use, Roe v. Wade cut in a place where the vast majority of religions have reached an agreement. Historically, he said the first three months or thereabouts in all major religions was, that's between a woman and her doctor, Biden said. However, the president strayed from the hardline pro-choice movement with a very rare assertion that the universal right to terminate the unborn child ends in the last three months. Now, Joe doesn't have the authority to do that, but of course, that never matters to Joe Biden. If he wants to do it, dadgummit, he's going to do it. If he wants to say it, dadgummit, he's going to say it. And he went through. He said the next three months is between, I mean, just a woman and her family. Next three months is between a woman and her doctor. The last three months have to be negotiated because you can't, unless you're in a position where your physical health is at stake, you can't do it. Where the heck is this guy getting all of this? He repeatedly tried to square the circle of his Catholic faith 
and political endorsement of abortion rights. The president has claimed for years that his political support for legalized abortion, coupled with his personal disagreement with the practice, is in line with Catholic moral teaching. It is not. In the Catholic teaching in Catholicism, abortion is not allowed. Period. He's been refuted by Catholic laity and leadership at every rung of the hierarchy, including the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, and even the pontiff himself. Last year, Pope Francis was interviewed by Univision and was questioned about Biden's seemingly contradictory beliefs. When asked about the Biden abortion policy, the Pope dismissed the president as incomprehensible, his word. <laughs> I leave it to President Biden's conscience and that he speaks to his bishop, his pastor, his parish priests about that incoherence. And the pontiff said that, the Pope said it in a 2022 interview. According to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, quote, human life must be respected and protected absolutely from the moment of conception, from the first moment of his existence. A human being must be recognized as having the rights of a person among which is the inviolable right of every innocent being to life. The church's doctrines continue. Since the first century, the church has affirmed the moral evil of every procured abortion. This teaching has not changed and remains unchangeable. Direct abortion, that is to say abortion willed either as an end or a means, is gravely contrary to the mobile excuse me, the moral law. Biden picked up endorsements from three major abortion right groups last week, a day before the anniversary of the Supreme Court overturning of Roe v. Wade. This guy doesn't have a clue. He doesn't care. All he knows is this. I want to be the next president of the United States, and if I'm elected, it'll be my second term. And the reason you should vote for me is I'm Joe Biden. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm going to the beach. You guys have a great day. Tomorrow's Friday. We will see you then at 9 a.m. Central here on TNN Live. Every time I think that I'm the only one who's lonely, someone calls on me. And every now and then I spend my time at climbing for some crystals falls. And then along comes Mary And does she wanna give me kicks and more steady chicken Give me big of memories Oh baby, rather got no tales from all the fields and tribulations No one ever sees When we met I was sure out to lunch Now my empty cup tastes as sweet as the punch This is the games they play And when the masquerade is played The neighbor folks make jokes And who is most to blame today And then along comes Mary And does she want to set them free And let them see reality From where she got a name And will they struggle much When told that such a tender touch of her Will make them laugh
soft is as sweet as the punch. 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 